And we're back with another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. And today we're talking about change. If you're not using the Enneagram for change, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, We can all sit there and talk about all the different ways in which we can describe how weird we are, but that doesn't actually mean we're going to change it. So uh, today we're talking about the inner triangle and how it leads to change. Let's let's begin with the history of the triangle. The history of the triangle. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's say depends who you ask. Pythagorean. Right? Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Now Plato said that you know there is an essential triangle. You know, in another <laughs> realm. No, this is true. I mean, this is, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, this is the whole heart of <laughs> Platonic forms, right? That mm-hmm. everything in this world is just an imperfect reflection of something perfect in another realm. And so there's somewhere in some other realm, there's a perfect triangle and all the triangles in this realm are just a uh, a flawed representation thereof. Okay. Come on, people are going to believe that you really mean these, that you feel that, that you think uh, that it's I'll, true. <laughs> oh, I don't believe okay. it's true. I think it's goofy, right? Um, now, when we're talking about, okay, so I'll tell you what, I'm going to fast forward from the beginning of eternity through Plato um, and even through Pythagoras and say that the the origin of my focus on the inner triangle started with reading Claudio Naranjo's character in Neurosis and Sandra Maitri's The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram, which I read it around the same time way back. It was... I, I forget when Nerano's book came out, but when Sandra Matry's book came out, I bought it. When you were you know, still young. Right away. I was still young, yes. My hair was, <laughs> was brown, and I had more of it. And uh, in fact, my review of the spiritual dimension of the Enneagram that I wrote for the Enneagram Monthly way back still appears on Sandra Matry's website. So, wow. yeah, so it's been there. It's got to be 20-some years, right? So, you had internet back then? I, you know, I... <laughs> think you know you could download a yeah. song it would take six days right but uh okay yeah so right. um wow. you no know, so she subsequently put it on her website so so i was a big fan of the book uh, i have some metaphysical philosophical concerns with the book that grew over time anyway both of them start off their books talking about how the inner triangle of the enneagram represents how we go to sleep to ourselves Naranjo refers to it as ontic obscuration, this uh, obscuring of the true self. I thought it was interesting, right? So the idea is at point nine, it represents falling asleep. Okay, sloth, the psycho-spiritual sloth, forgetting. Point six represents fear. Okay, so we have this moment of waking up from this self-forgetting. You know, you think of Dante, you know, and uh, the Divine Comedy starts off with midway through life, I woke and found myself lost in the woods. And that's that feeling of, where am I? How did I get here? And for Dante, along comes Virgil, the guide. So let me tell you this story. Virgil. What's it? What's that? Virgil. What a name. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know. That sounds like one of my cousins back home, you know? (laughs) Well, I'm sure your hillbilly cousin was named after the Virgil, right? Uh, The. Yeah. So, (laughs) but Virgil was Dante's guide. And uh, so, point three represents the telling ourselves of a story about who we are. 
about, you know, making some sense, uh, creating some narrative that then becomes a habitual narrative that's not quite true. According to Naranjo and Maitri, it leads us away from the true self. It gives us this sense of a separate self. And this is the cause of most of our problems. And then that allows us to just go back onto into autopilot again. Okay, I've got a story that makes sense. And when I'm teaching this to clients, I always use the same analogy that in this COVID era is starting to lose its power because people don't actually drive to work anymore. But, you know, the story I give is, you know, we've all had this experience of we're driving to work or driving somewhere we go frequently. And we get halfway there and we're not paying attention, right? We're just driving. Okay, I had this experience today. I was going to meet my uncle for breakfast. I'm on the highway. I got off the wrong exit, okay, because I'm just so used to getting off at this other exit. So I had to turn around mm-hmm. and go back. So I'm doing this on autopilot, but then I have this moment of realization. Oh, crap. Where am I, right? You know, how did I get here? And so what do we do? We look around. Who am right? I? We look for signs. We look for billboards. <laughs> who, who am I? Right? This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Um, right? so, that, that's a talking okay. heads reference. Sorry, guy, you know, from back in the 80s. But sure. all right. So. <laughs> you don't know who the talking heads are, Crete, really? Uh, I, I know. I've heard really? the name. Uh, okay. I've heard the name. Yeah. Oh no! He's a child. Oh. He's a child. You, know, so you keep forgetting. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, onward yourself, we go. Craig. Um, <laughs> yeah, you gotta listen to the talking guys. Okay. So, okay. So we have this moment, this oh crap moment, and we look for some something familiar to give us some sense of oh okay now I know where I am. Okay. And what does that do? It allows us to go back on autopilot. So we're creating stories. The the, the psyche is constantly in this process of functioning on autopilot. And then we encounter something that causes us friction, that causes us anxiety. It snaps us out of that autopilot and we don't know what to do. So we create a story about it. The the brain needs to make sense of the world. Okay, So it creates this story. Now let's go back to sleep. Go ahead, Maria. Yeah, you made a reference to how the creation of the story takes us away from our real self and all that. And I want to make a point, yeah, that it's that's not how we see it. And right. and it's not and it could feel like this is a bad thing, but this is a useful thing. So if I am driving, as you were saying, and I get lost and then I look around and I realize that I'm I'm in another place and I find my way back to where I'm going that's fine. So if yeah. I am encountering a situation where I'm not I'm, that I'm not familiar with and I just come up with a story of what's going on and it's a good story kind of that represents what's going on and then I just go back to autopilot, it's fine. It's not fine when the story doesn't really represent what's going on, and the yeah. results that I have are not what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So the issue is the quality of our stories. Okay, it's the quality of our autopilot. And in, in an earlier episode, we talked about cultivating virtuous habits, right? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Okay, you don't need to be present every moment you're driving. 
Okay. Number one, you couldn't be if you tried. Number two, you actually, if you're consciously driving, your reflexes are actually slower than if you're non-consciously driving, right? Because if you're, you know, if you see red taillights coming on and you tell yourself, okay, move right foot from gas pedal to brake, right? That takes longer than just the snap of automated behavior, okay? So autopilot, as Mario Jose is saying, is not only is it not a bad thing, but it's often a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if our autopilot is off course, that's when it's a problem. So the work is all about recognizing our stories. So um, I think in this episode, we're going to focus on the way that we kind of fall asleep to ourselves, uh, if we have enough to fill an episode on it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <If>. <laughs> but, um, but so what, what ended up happening for me, because one of my early frustrations with using the Enneagram is, you know, back in the 1940s, was that there was no, so what do I do? Okay, uh, you know, it was, well, if you're an eight, you need to integrate to two, you know, that sort of thing. Be vulnerable, you know, whatever. Um, but, the, you know, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not a bright guy, okay? I need something more concrete. I need, I, you know, I, I wanted, give me three simple steps on how to grow, okay, how to improve. And so I thought to myself, well, if the inner triangle of the Enneagram represents how we go to sleep to ourselves, maybe we reverse the process and it shows us how we, you know, how we create change. And so that's where I came up with the uh, awareness to action process. So that's the history of the triangle. <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go. Um, I, I did. I did just text my great aunt, and she said we have an aunt Virgie, <laughs> which in the hollers of Sexton's Creek, Kentucky, in Daniel Boone National Forest. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyways, I thought that was important to mention. Good. Um, yeah, I'm sure good people were all waiting uh, to hear. What's interesting to me is in a lot of rural areas like that, a lot of the names are references to classical literature or the Bible, yeah. right? I, I mean, those, that kind of name is much more common in a place like, you know, Raccoon Holler, Kentucky or wherever you talked about there than it would be in, <laughs> say, Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> uh, Okay. So, so um, no, no disrespect meant to, you know, of course, raccoon hollow. <laughs> right. uh, so, why don't we give some examples uh, of how this happens uh, for the different types? Because we're talking about driving, and I'm sure that most of us can resonate, those of us who drive can resonate with that situation. But I think that it's interesting how correlated are the stories we have with our Enneagram type or instinctual bias. Do we want to talk about that? Do, because I think it will make it more vivid for yeah. some of the types. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's great. And, and, and I also want to say too that, you know, what the brain is doing all the time is creating stories, right? It's taking everything we encounter and it's constructing narratives in some way, even in ways we're not always conscious of. So, uh, you know, every meal I have 
adds to my narrative of what foods I like and don't like, okay? Uh, we have small stories, right? We have stories, you know, I'm holding a, uh, a mechanical pencil here and I go through waves. You know, there are times when I like to use mechanical pencils and there's times I get frustrated with them because I keep breaking the, uh, the lead. But there's only one kind of mechanical pencil that I like and all other kinds just seem stupid to me. Okay. Where is this going? Uh, so uh, that's a small story. <laughs> that's a small story. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Maria Jose. Okay. It's a small, insignificant story that nobody cares about. Everybody finds boring, but it's part of what's happening in my psyche. Okay. But then we have big stories too. We have big stories about the people that we love, or even bigger stories about yeah. our religions and our Gender. politics and. You know, yeah. just all over the place, right? So, so our lives are made up of stories, big and small. And mm. our personality style, the strategy, and the instinctual bias is one of the main themes that is going through all of our stories, or most of our stories, okay? So my stories are very eight-ish in nature, Right. I mean, look what I talked about. I talked about breaking the, you know, the graphite. Okay. I said, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. And why? Because I, I write as if I'm trying to press through stone. Okay. Because that's, you know, my nature. It's like when you type Um, on your keyboard and it feels like you're trying to destroy it. (laughs) 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 And again, it's this. It's this expression of my eightness, my striving to feel powerful. And mm. so you guys have stories that are very different, that are filtered through a very different lens. And so we think of the strategy as sort of a decoder of our narratives, what's good about them and what's flawed about them. And when we're working with people, we look at people's stories Right, even if it's a story about their mother when they were a little kid or whatever, or a story they have now, and we try to see it through the lens of the of the strategy or the instinctual bias. Yeah, so there's an example. For example, the um, conflict. So if you see two people having a disagreement for a line. And at the risk of stereotyping things too much, but I think it's usually that way. Nines will see disagreement as conflict, as people probably fighting, and they will feel like they need to get away from it or try to get them to get to an agreement. An eight will see that and will probably enjoy it and want to watch it and want to make it even more alive because it's a good thing. So there are different stories that we have to make sense of life. And many of, I mean, many of them have to do with our type, with our personality. Marie Jose, I'm I'm curious if this story I'm about to tell actually happened or not, right? Uh, So you correct me, but I think that you and I were at the airport in Cairo one time um, waiting for luggage. And these two guys started yelling at each other. And pulling at a cart, you know, in different directions. They seem to be fighting over this cart. And you said, let's get out of here. And I said, no, I want to see what happens, right? So, (laughs) you know, to your point about the interpreting this and seeing it a different way, you know, Marie Jose's thinking, oh, violence is going to happen here. We need to get away. 
And I'm thinking, cool, violence is going to happen. I want to watch, you know, so. I don't remember, <laughs> but it's, no. we've been in Cairo airport. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I would have said. So yeah. <laughs> at least that's true. Yeah. Um, let's get back on track a little bit and look at the... Um, <laughs> We went uh, far afield with Cairo here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's explore each of the numbers so people understand a little bit better what yeah. those numbers represent. Point nine, the top of the triangle. Um, nine in the classical Enneagram represents psycho-spiritual sloth, okay? Meaning falling asleep to ourselves, forgetting ourselves. Okay, again, there's a philosophical point that maybe we can come back to a little bit later regarding this. That's classically or what not, it means. Okay, or, we, not. Or, or not. Or <laughs> <laughs> we, not. Uh, we, we, we zone out, right? We slumber. Um, you know, we, we go to sleep in some way. We go into autopilot. Okay, so again, people will, uh, uh, Maitri and, and uh, Nerano talk about it in terms of forgetting, self-forgetting. Uh, I talk about it as going on autopilot. Okay, Just sometimes good oh. and sometimes not that good. Exactly right. Okay, again, there's, you know, thank God for autopilot, okay, because you just can't get through the day without it. But as we said, autopilot is fine until it's not, right? I, I mean, when you're flying on an airplane, they're on autopilot most of the time, but they have to keep checking, right? Because the wind blows and knocks things off course. And But we have those moments where we're not course correcting automatically because we're facing some sort of novel situation or the result of our autopilot behavior producing some kind of negative result. And we have this feeling of fear, right? So point six classically on the Enneagram is about fear. It's one of those, you know, seven deadly sins plus two. Uh, six and three are not represented by the classic seven deadly sins. So Echazo added fear for point six and deceit or uh, vanity at point three. Now, what we use is uncertainty, right? Yes, exactly Because right. sometimes yes. it's fear, but sometimes, yes. for example, if I'm surprised because the result is better than I expected, I yes. will not feel fear, but still feel uncertainty. Yes, yes. It's something that just kind of shocks us out of that autopilot state. Okay? And, you know, quite frankly, we work in organizations and we try not to, you know, talk about fear, even if that's the case. So uncertainty is mm -hmm. a safer word um, in that environment. So you have this moment of uncertainty, and uncertainty is not the normal state. I, f I forget what your clip from the last episode was, Creek, but it was about uh, something about craving constancy, right, or mm -hmm. consistency, predictability. predictability, right? And when we have moments of fear, when even if we even if they're positive surprise, uh, to Mario Jose's point, that's not the normal state. We can't maintain that, and we have to find that predictability, and we do that by explaining what we're experiencing. If somebody yells at me, I create some story in my brain. It's, uh, yeah, she's just a jerk, or he's just a jerk, or whatever it is. It's never I did anything wrong and deserved it. Some people's stories have to do more with, what did I do wrong? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are different Absolutely. stories that we come up with uh, for the same situation. So point three... Again, classically uh, represents either deceit 
or vanity, but they both point to falling in love with something that's not necessarily true. Uh, classically, the Enneagram point three, when they talk about vanity or deceit, it's not, it's not that threes are not trustworthy, right? It's not that they're dishonest, although they can be, but so can everybody else. It's that they are projecting this image as if it is the real thing. Okay? And sometimes even they lose sight of what's the real thing and what's not. I'm sure, Creek, you were not a big Mad Men fan, okay, uh, the, the TV show, right? But it's it's one of the classic, uh, It's you, you do know what TV is, right, Creek? Uh, yeah. Just, okay, just, just want to be well, clear. Well, I, I mean, I, I watch... <laughs> I watch shows on my phone. I, I don't know what a TV is, but okay. um. <laughs> uh, we're doomed. Our species is doomed. So anyway, um, so Mad Men is one of the classic three, you know, it's it's this very famous and well done TV show. And Don Draper, the main character, is a classic example of the three. He's in advertising, right? So his old job, his whole life is around creating images and stories about things, but he's also pretending to be somebody he's not, right? He actually switched identities with someone during World War II and has been living a whole lie, okay? And that, again, is just a great example of what the three represents in the classic Enneagram, that I believe I'm this when I'm really this. Now, again, hmm. philosophical asterisk here, okay, uh, that we can come back to, okay? That's the way it is. For us, it's not so much that we're creating a false sense of self. It's that we're just creating a story that helps us go on. It's a great line from the writer Joan Didion. She says, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And she was talking about that at the level of being a writer, I just have to tell stories, right? But also as something about human nature, we can't live without stories. We can't live as if every moment is some disjointed circumstance that doesn't make sense in some way. So that's point three. I create a narrative, create a story. Now that story then goes on to guide our actions because I'm gonna make my next decisions based on my narratives. Who am I going to vote for? I'm going to vote for the person who most represents my story about politics. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do we hear people say, yeah, well, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I'm going to vote for that Republican or vice versa. We just don't do it. It would be like, you know, just, I don't even know what it'd be like. I can't even think of an example of how unnatural <laughs> it would be, yeah. right? Because it just doesn't fit our story of the world. Mm -hmm. right? Once we have the story in place, we go back to sleep. I think to round out, round out this episode before we uh, go into the next episode of how do we actually rewrite this story, let's give some, some type examples, if you don't mind, of um, how different types write their story. So uh, I'll give a, a good example. So again, as a Enneagram type eight, my stories all have to, to do with power. In one way or another, the significant stories in my psyche are something about power. Who has it? How do I get it? How do I apply it? How do I keep from being a victim of it? Etc. I will filter any circumstance that I'm encountering 
at least to some extent, some part of my brain will be thinking about what are the power implications of this. Because one of my big narratives is to see the world being red of tooth and claw, right? That it's a, it's a dangerous place where only the strong survive. I, I was recently encounter, uh, engaged in an email exchange with a fellow Enneagrammer recently and uh, had a little bit of peek around the topic. And as I'm driving my 17-year-old type son, nine, to school that morning, he says, well, what are you bothered about? You know, and I told him. And he said, well, why don't you just ignore him? Right? <laughs> you know, because that's what a nine would say, right? Why are you wasting time on this? Okay? Mm. Well, who cares? Same situation. That's what most people very would different. say. <laughs> By the way. By the way. Right. And, and, and it's again, a valid approach. It's a valid, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, you know, and if somebody chose to ignore that situation, uh, it's fine with me. I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So I got to get it out of my system. And now I should grow. I should be more mature. I should learn to let things go. And it wasn't a hostile sort of situation, but no, nah, I mean, we're engaged in a debate here and I got to make my point heard. So that's one example. It's everywhere. So I, I was just recently conducting some 360 review interviews. And what I do, and that's what we do when we do this, it's I uh, say, okay, what are the main strengths and what the, their uh, opportunities for growth, the person that I'm working with. And it is fascinating to see how people see behaviors, but always have a story around that behavior. So they say, well, he has a hard time making decisions. And I'm, I, I was wondering if he could be a two or a nine. And so I went to the people and said, because most of them mentioned the problem with making decisions. And I said, why do you think he doesn't make decisions? And well, I don't know. People say, I don't know, because they don't truly know. But then, I said, why do you think he has trouble with that? Well, I think he has an issue with conflict. He wants to avoid conflict. He doesn't want to bother, get bothered, be bothered by it. And he prefers to just do what the other people, the other person are, is saying and not engage in conflict and or delay the decision. So all the stories that people had around that behavior led me to think that he was nine rather than a two. And I think he's a nine. But sometimes what happens is that people interpret those behaviors with their own stories. So they will say, well, he doesn't have enough knowledge. He wants to gather more knowledge, more information before making the decision. And that's speaking more about their stories about life than about the person who is kind of the, about my client. So it is interesting to see how different behaviors are explained in different ways. And in the case of this guy, my client, in fact, he was avoiding, he was not making decisions. And part of it had to do with avoiding conflict because he was going to go against the opinion of other people and he didn't want that. But 
it can be interpreted and seen from the outside in many different ways because we all have our own stories and don't know why people are doing it, but always have a story about it. So this is, uh, this is what I'm hearing is what we're talking about is just, it's just how the type ends up sabotaging us or how we sabotage yes. ourselves. But yes and no, right? Because I, you know, sometimes the, the strategy, the application of the strategy, the individual applying the strategy creates stories that are actually very helpful and very, you know, productive. Okay. So I don't want to say it's always sabotaging. It can be sabotaging. It's again, depends sure. on the quality of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. When our stories are either outdated or distorted or just bad stories, right? You know, not high quality stories. That's when we're sabotaging ourselves and our insistence on sticking with the story mm-hmm. when it's no longer valid, no longer useful, no longer true is when we sabotage ourselves. Yeah, and, mm. and a good story might be good for one situation and not for another, at one point in life, but then not, not later. Yeah. When the story becomes static is when it becomes a problem. Yes, when the story becomes static and applied to the wrong set of circumstances, mm. okay, mm-hmm. or in the wrong way. So you as a four, striving to feel unique is at the heart, in some way, influencing uh, many of your stories. And in a lot of ways, that's a really good theme to have. Enjoy for it. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> look, it, 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 it's the seed of creativity, yeah. right? I want this to be different. I never did this before. I never had this before. I never heard this sound before, okay? Let me bring it into the world. That's wonderful, mm-hmm. okay? But there are so many ways in which we can fall into trying to make something unique when it doesn't need to be. Not only does it not need to be, but it hinders our own happiness and our own effectiveness mm-hmm. by trying to make it unique. Okay, so, so it's all about the quality of the story and the application thereof. Mm-hmm. An example would be, I, I help run a media company that does, that helps people with launching podcasts, editing them, all that sort of things. And we just signed a big client and they have they're wanting a really high quality mobile gear, uh, gear setup. And so I spent, I want to say four hours researching all the newest stuff to find the uniquely perfect system for them to, that is like high quality, no, like no frills that are unnecessary, easy to set up the whole thing. I was so happy with myself. It was like, oh, that's perfect, right? Not just like using the stuff that we always suggest. I'm like, no, I found I found the exact thing for them. And then they're like, no, we want to go this route. And, the, and it ended up being just this like completely, they used like one of my suggestions. And I just, like, I recognized it destroyed me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know how perfect this thing is. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, no, that's my, that's my thing to work through. That's, <laughs> they have their reasons for not wanting to go this right. route. So, right. But that's an example, right, where I had to kind of, it was a great intention. And it's, it's going to be applied really greatly in other spaces. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't keep insisting on them using what I consider to be perfect. Because a different client might have said, wow, thank you for putting so much effort into this. And you have 
created, you know, put us into a new class, right? Right. You know, and so for you in this situation, the growth or the test is what your reaction is to that circumstance. Mm -hmm. Do I start making up these stories about, oh, there's something wrong with me? Why did I do that? I'm such a, <laughs> idiot, you know, or was it, oh, these people are idiots. They have nothing. Is that oh, one? Yeah. You know, and, and again, <laughs> we're going to go through that because, again, yeah, yeah. we have to make sense of things, right? We have to create mm -hmm. stories in order to live. And, but then we have to learn to let go of them. And then we have to ask ourselves, okay, what lesson can I learn from this so I can improve my behavior next time and be more effective? Okay, so that's the mm -hmm. thing, right? So our philosophical caveat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're supposed to end this episode. <laughs> so, dear listener, if you've made it this far and you're content, then that's yeah. fine. But I got yeah. something I got to get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to draw, you know, make the point, okay, and hang in there with me, guys, uh, mm -hmm. to reinforce what Maria Jose has already alluded to. There is a tendency in some Enneagram circles to act as if the self, there's two selves, right? It's this Cartesian dualism of there's the, well, no, it's not quite Cartesian dualism because right, that's materialism. <laughs> yeah. You're, okay. So I, let, let me back up. Wow. It's as this, that there's this real self that is our essence. We fall asleep to our essence and then this false self comes up and we confuse the false self with our essence. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that there are these two selves and one of them is fine and the other is bad. Okay, we're saying that this is just the way it works. Okay, so we're not falling asleep to ourselves necessarily. We're still who we are, but we're functioning on autopilot. It is a philosophical difference. I would even go so close to call it a religious difference, okay, or hmm. a religious versus a non-religious view, although some people might argue that term. So I just want to be real clear on that. We're not trying to get back to something. We're just trying to continually work on the clay of who we are. I made that much shorter than I thought I would. Yeah. Congratulations. Do you feel better? <laughs> I do. I do. I do think there's something with, like what we said last episode, with the whole butter thing. Yes. Of, you can't get it back to milk, right? And the the clarified butter, the ghee, is going to be much more resilient to adversity yeah. <laughs> um anyways well next week uh tune in we're gonna focus a little bit more on the awareness to action process when it comes to growth and change so tune in next week and we'll talk to you later thanks for listening to the awareness to action enneagram podcast if you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast. 